And I direct your attention right back to that chapter, Mark chapter 5, from which we read a moment ago. A very exciting chapter in the Bible. In this chapter, we find Jesus casting out demons. We find him healing uh, this woman that we read about that had this issue of blood for 12 years. And then we, at the end of the chapter, he raises uh, Jairus' young daughter uh, from the dead. In fact, in, in the healing of the woman that we're going to talk about this morning, Jesus was actually killing two birds with one stone. This woman needed to be healed, but Jairus' faith also needed to increase. Jesus was going to go into his home, and, uh, and, and it happens right at the end of the part of the scripture we read. Messengers came from his house and said, Master, uh, talking to Jairus, don't, don't bother Jesus anymore. There's no use. Uh, your daughter's already dead. And Jesus said, hey, don't worry about it. Just believe. Jairus needed his faith to increase. And so Jesus let him be there to see the healing of this woman. You see, nothing just happened by accident in the ministry or life of Christ. Everything was by divine plan. Every person was there at the spot that they were supposed to be because of the plan of God. And God used everything to prepare those people what was going to happen in their life, what he was going to do in their life. My text verse this morning is verse 28. We read a moment ago where the Bible says, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. This morning I speak on the subject, the touch of faith. The touch of faith. I want you to notice four things about this woman this morning. I made it easy for for you to remember them because they all start with the letter C. C. I want you to notice, first of all, her condition. The Bible says that she had an, an issue of blood for 12 years. I want to point out to you this morning that that condition was real. It was not an imaginary condition. You know, some of the Christian science... Some of our Christian science friends, and by the way, I don't think many of them are Christians, and I don't think many of them really know what science is, but they, they, they say that sin is all a state of mind. That's all it is. It's all in the mind. And they'd probably tell this lady, oh, you're not really sick. It's all in your mind. Well, they would be wrong. She was really sick. She had been bleeding from her body for 12 years. I want to tell you this morning that we too have a condition that's real. And that condition is called sin. In 1 John 1, 8, the Bible says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see, when we were born, every single person was born with a sin nature. The psalmist says in Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Every child is born with that sin nature. You don't have to teach a little baby to cry when nothing's wrong. I mean, you you, you have seen them just as well as I have. They're dry. They're in a warm bed. They've just been fed, and their stomach is full, and yet they wail. There's nothing wrong with them. Sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up, but I'm just getting started. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. That's their sin nature coming out. They were born with that sin nature. My da- it's, that, it's that nature that pulls us in the direction of wrong. Now, by the way, I'll hasten to say, I believe little babies, if, some, if something happens to them and they die, they go to heaven. 
They have a sin nature, but they're not a sinner. I don't believe a person is a sinner until they reach that point in their life where they know the difference between right and wrong, and they choose to do wrong. Their sin nature turns them into a sinner when they make that first conscious choice. My dad tried to teach me to do right, but I learned more accidentally, I learned more wrong accidentally than I learned right because of my sin nature. Jeremiah says in chapter 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. An old preacher preached a sermon one time on the depravity of the human heart. And a young modernist came up to him and said, Hey, preacher, I, don't, I can't swallow that depraved heart that you preached about tonight. And the preacher said, Hey, pal, you don't have to swallow it. It's already in you. You were born with it. You were born with a depraved heart. All men are sinners. All have come short of the glory of God. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. The condition is real. It's not imaginary. Sin is real. The Bible teaches that the first man that God created, Adam, had one rule. God said, hey, I'm putting you in, in, in this garden, and you can eat of everything in the garden, every tree, every vegetable, every plant that's here you can eat of, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thou, thou of, thereof thou shalt surely die. Well, we know Adam's story. He disobeyed God, and that's what sin is in its simplest form. Sin is disobedience to God. Adam disobeyed God. He ate of the fruit, and the Bible says with that sin, he plunged the whole human race into sin. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. You were born with a sin nature. You got it from your dad who got it from his dad who got it from his dad who got it from Adam. Every single one of us has a sin nature. And sooner or later, that sin nature turns into sin. We face that moment in our life, again, where we know there's a right and there's a wrong, and we choose to do wrong, and we become a sinner. And that condition is real. It's not in our minds. It's in our beings. We are sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. So this woman, her condition was real. Something else. It was not only real, but it was leading to death. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 17, verse 11, the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. If you continue to lose blood and nothing else happens, sooner or later you'll die. Because the Bible's right. Life is in the blood. As sinners, we have a condition that's also leading to death. In the book of Ezekiel, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. In the book of Romans, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. In the book of James, the Bible says, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, the Bible also says, and we know this from experience, sin for a while is pleasurable. For a season, we can have a lot of fun in sin. But the Bible also says that it always ends in death. There's no exception. It may be pleasurable for a while, but in the end we're going to get what we deserve, and that what we deserve is death, not physical death, but spiritual death separated from God. That's what happened to Adam. 
He ate of the fruit he wasn't supposed to. He was kicked out of the garden. He didn't die physically in the day that he sinned, but he died spiritually because he was separated from God. So her condition was real, just like ours is. And it leads to death, just like ours does. Second, I want you to notice her consultants. Verse 26, and had suffered many things of many physicians. I hate to suffer at the hands of one physician. Some of you know I sort of messed up my back earlier in the week, and I've had plenty of people that have told me I need to go to the doctor. No, 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 no. I go to the doctor when I'm about dead. But can you imagine the agony that this lady must have been in for 12 years? 12 years. She suffered many things of many physicians. I mean, she didn't live in our day where we know a lot about the body. She didn't live in our day where we, have, we know about surgeries and we know about medicines. She lived in a day where you'd have to describe medicine as early medicine. She probably drunk gallons of untastely remedies to try to, to, uh, to, to, to fix her condition. But she could say like Job, all physicians are of no value. You know, people today that have this condition called sin, we have a lot of consultants. We have a lot of people that will tell us how we can get better from our sin condition. We have people today that say, hey, look, look all you got to do is be sincere in what you believe. It doesn't, really believe. it doesn't really matter what you believe. As long as you're sincere in what you believe, you, God will take care of your sin. That's not true. It's not your sincerity that makes a difference it's what you put your faith in. It's Jesus Christ. I read the story this week about a hunter, and he was watching a, a, a movie on TV, and he was cleaning his rifle. He sincerely thought his rifle was empty. On the screen, a deer came across, and, you know, he was just practicing. He put his gun up to his shoulder and sighted that deer on the TV and pulled the trigger. Boom! <laughs> it was loaded. He destroyed his 55-inch TV with one shot. And got the deer. <laughs> Sincerity doesn't make any difference. Other people say, well, all you got to do is live the best you can. That'll, that'll take care of your sin condition. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no that way that we can measure up to the glory of God because the glory of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. We may find other people that we can compare ourselves to and say, hey, I'm not so bad compared to them. But compare yourself to Jesus. You'll fall short. Other people say, hey, just join the church. If you join the church, that'll take care of your sin. No, it won't. You can join every church, and there's a lot of them. You can join every church there is. That won't make you any more of a Christian than getting into the oven will make you a biscuit. That won't make you a Christian. And yet these consultants, they say, well, all you need to, listen, all, all, we, we, we can fix this sin condition. All we need to do is put people into a good environment. If we get them in a good environment, sin will go away. Well, what about Adam? Don't you think he was in a good environment? He was in the place that God made. He had just one wife. It was just the two of them. What a better environment than that. And yet sin still crept into the garden. You see, this woman had many consultants. 
none of them helped her. She had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had. It was just like back in that day, like it is today. All that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Isn't it sad that so many people spend their life and spend the things in their life before they come to God? I know many people here, you didn't do that because you came to God at an early age. But I've known people that have spent everything in their life, their family, their health, their, 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 their future, before they finally came to Jesus Christ. How better it would be, how better it would be if we could all be like those kids back in the back back there where Adam is telling them about Jesus when they're young. How better it would be if we could reach those children and, and have them grow up in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and live their whole life in him. She tried everything. Every physician, every possible cure, and only got worse. Number three, I want you to notice her cure. The Bible says, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. So she heard about Jesus. I wonder how she heard. I wonder if her neighbor told her. I say, hey, neighbor, did you hear about this man called Jesus? He's going around. He's, 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 feeding. he's feeding, feeding thousands of people with just small lunches. And he's doing something more than that. He's healing people. All he's doing, I mean, he's just touching people. And, and they're cured of their leprosy. He's made blind people and deaf people here. Have you, hey, have you heard about this one? She heard about Jesus. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hear, hearing by the word of God. I, I, I want to remind you this morning, we need to tell people about Jesus. We need to tell people what Jesus has done for us. We need to tell people how he saved us. We need to tell people how he, 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 he's blessing us in our, in our life today. We need to tell them about the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, I've tried that. I've told people about Jesus over and over and over again, and it hadn't made any difference. How do you know? How do you know? Our responsibility is not to harvest. Our responsibility is to plant to seed. Helen told Harold and Betty about Jesus for over 50 years before they came to Jesus Christ. I bet you they're, they're in heaven. I know they're in heaven this morning. I bet you glad that she, they're glad that she didn't give up. I bet you, bet you they're glad that she didn't get discouraged. She kept telling them and telling them and telling them. We need to be busy telling people what Jesus has done for us. That's what happened to this lady. Somebody told her, her about Jesus. And she said, if I could just touch him. If I could just touch him. Not, she said, if I, if I can just touch his clothes, not if I could come and hold him, not if he could come and put his arms around me and pray for me, but if I could just touch his clothes. Some people think, I don't have enough faith to get saved. It's not your faith that saves you. You can have a little bit of faith in a great big Savior and get saved. Faith cometh by hearing. We need to tell people about Jesus. And they need to take the faith that the Bible says God has dealt a measure to every person. You see, God's not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And so he's not only provided the way through Jesus Christ, he's dealt and given to every person enough faith. Might not be much. 
might just be a little bit like this lady had. She said, oh, if I could just come and I could just touch the hem of his garment. That's all the faith that it takes. A little bit of faith in a great big Savior results in a cure. I want you to notice that her cure was instant. The Bible says, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. Salvation is not a process. It happens instantaneously. When Paul and uh, Silas told the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, when he believed, he was saved. It didn't take a week. It didn't take two weeks. He was saved that moment that he put his trust in Jesus Christ. The same thing can happen to you. I, 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 I was talking to a lady three weeks ago, and she says, Preacher, I'm getting saved. I said, You're what? She says, I'm getting saved. Well, I said, that's good. Tell me about it. She said, well, I'm going to this church, and they, they, they've spelled out this three-week process that I have to go through, and they say, when I get done, I'll be saved. I said, hey, let me give you a better plan. I can give you a plan where you can get saved right now. You don't have to wait. three. What, do you, what if you die before those three weeks are up? What's going to happen? She said, I don't know. I'm going to ask them. I said, no, no, don't worry about it. God said, I'm gonna, we're going to fix this right now. I took my Bible out and took her down the Roman road. She prayed and asked Jesus to be her Savior. She's saved this morning. I don't know if she went back to finish the three weeks course, but she didn't need to because she met Jesus. And it was an instantaneous transaction. She got saved because she put her faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to know something else. Nobody forced her to touch Jesus. Nobody came up and said, hey, come on, let's go. I'm going to get you healed. I'm going to put your hand on, the, on, on Jesus. No, that's not the way it works. God never violates our will. He always wants to come, us to come our, of our own accord. The only thing that keeps a sinner from the Savior is that sinner's will. Because, see, God wants everybody to be saved. God has dealt to every person a measure of faith. The only thing that keeps a sinner from the Savior is that sinner's will. The will that says, I won't. I won't. I won't. And notice, I want you to notice something else. Her cure was not only instantaneous, but it was complete. It was complete. When she got saved, she got saved. All of her. Every bit. There was nothing left out. Hey, I've heard people say, and I, and I agree with them, when I got saved, I got saved from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Ain't much at the top, but there's a lot when you go down from there. But I got, it all got saved. It all got saved. That lady, all, she got all cured. And then finally, as I close, I'm closing now, Frank, so. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> I want you to notice her confession. Her confession. Jesus asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? Now, Jesus was God. He was man, but he was God. He, he knew everything. I'm sure this lady came up behind him and just put her finger. And again, there were all sorts of people crowded around him. He was thronged, the Bible says. But he said, somebody touched me. His disciples came and said, Master, look at all these people around you. Why are you even asking this question? Who touched me? She said, oh, no, somebody touched me. When that lady heard this conversation, the Bible says, but fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her. And by the way, when you get saved, you know it. I mean, when she got cured, she knew it. 
I, I, I mean, she could, she, she, in her body, she knew that she was healed. I want to tell you something this morning. When you get saved, you know it. They, they, when I, when I, I, I remember the night was I, I was saved. Happened a long time ago, Brother Wendell, because I'm almost as old. Well, no, I'm older than you are, but anyhow. <laughs> I can remember that night just like it was yesterday. I can remember walking into church that night, a sinner headed toward hell. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I deserved to be separated from God and go to that place called hell. But I remember coming out of that church that night after I got down on my knees and asked Jesus to be my Savior. There was something different. There was a lot different. I walked into a world that I looked at different because I knew that world was not my home anymore. My home was in heaven with my Savior. When you get saved, you know it. And so when this lady, knowing what was done in herself, she, she fell down before him and told him all the truth. Listen, I believe when a person gets saved, they ought to confess the Savior. I believe they ought to walk the aisle and let everybody know, hey, I was a sinner headed for help, but now I have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And I belong to Jesus Christ. Too many Christians are like Arctic rivers. They're frozen at the mouth. They don't say a word about Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what it would be like? Can you imagine what it would be like? Ladies, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Let's say you and your husband were going somewhere, and you were in the car, in the front seat. And he looked over at you, and he said, Honey, could you get in the back seat? And when you get in the back seat, sort of lay down in the seat. You want me to get in? I'm playing both parts, so play with me. (laughs) You want me to get in the back seat, and you want me to lay down in the seat? Why? Well, we're going through my old neighborhood, and there might be some of my buddies on the street, and I just, I don't want them to really know I'm married. And if they see you in the car, they're going to think I'm married. So just... If you don't want to get in the back seat, just sort of get down in the floorboard there. (laughs) Just put your head down. Ladies, how would you feel if your husband said that to you? I'll tell you what you do. (laughs) You'd smack him. How do you think Jesus feels? The one that went to Calvary's cross for our sin. The one that paid the price that we owed. The one that did for us what we could not do to ourselves. And we receive that by faith. We ask him to be our savior and he saves us. And then we don't tell a single solitary person about it. I think he just wants to smack us and say, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're a Christian this morning, there ought not to be anybody in your life that doesn't know that you belong to Jesus Christ. Say, well, I don't want to seem like I'm a fanatic. Why not? Why not? There's people all around you that are dying and going to hell. They could use somebody that's a little fanatical, that's willing to open their mouth and confess the Lord Jesus Christ. This lady got cured. And it didn't matter that there was a crowd around her said, I'm the one. I touched you. I'm the one that snuck up behind you, just took, took the tip of my finger, and I touched the edge of your rope. And I want to tell you, I'm cured. 
I'm healed. I've been sick for 12 years and nobody could help me. But just the one little touch of faith and I am cured and healed this morning. Made whole. That's what Jesus will do for you this morning. You're sick with sin. You're dying. You have no hope. All it takes is a little touch of faith. And you can be cured. You can be healed. You can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this wonderful account that's in your word. Thank you that it shows us so clearly that all we got to do is come to Jesus Christ. All we got to do is put our faith in him. And through the love that he showed for us on Calvary, we can know what it is to be cured of this sickness that we have called sin. I pray for every person that's here that's never done that. I pray, Father, that they'll quit going to all these people that try to give them a solution that doesn't work. They'll come to the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I pray this morning that they will make that decision to receive Jesus Christ. I pray for the many Christians that are here this morning. I pray, Father, that we would once again leave this place rejoicing because we've been reminded of what we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please bless this invitation. Speak to hearts, Holy Spirit. Help us to be obedient to what you tell us to do. If there's somebody here that needs to be saved, help them to come. We'll take the Bible. Show them from your word how to ask Jesus to be their Savior. If there's somebody here that needs to get baptized and confess him as their Savior, help them to come. If there's somebody here that you're talking to about joining the church, help them to come. If there's somebody here that just needs to come, get on their knees before this altar. Get some things straight with you, dear God. Help them to come. Just bless this invitation. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.